Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is the show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it. There's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish a book I do a podcast, stick it up here on the feed for everyone to download and listen to and hopefully enjoy. Joining me today is Juliana. Say hello Juliana. Hi everyone. And um, we're talking today about a book which uh, I've reviewed twice before, talked about twice before, Yes. called Hyperion. And also... This by Dan Simmons. By Dan, Hyperion by Dan Simmons. Hyperion Cantos number one by Dan Simmons. Although I don't consider this a series, it's a standard for me. It's a standalone it's novel. Yeah. So let's just call it a standalone novel. And um, back in the day, I actually have the list episode lists uh, here. If you can, actually, you can actually see every single book that I've reviewed. Um, Oh, let's talk about it this way. Uh, recently, someone said, hey, this uh, your website, or your podcast doesn't work in Google Podcasts, the Google Podcast app. Oh, does it not? You no, know, even they were saying it's classed as insecure. And I looked at it and I realized what uh-huh. I could do is actually have a security certificate. So then it says, instead of saying HTTP, HTTPS. And so I was like, all right, let's upgrade that. And then everything immediately broke on the website. And I spent an hour getting everything sorted out and changing every single link on the entire website and stuff. Of course. But that happened to my websites as well. And this is why I changed my hosting services. Oh, really? Just just to get sorted out? One of uh, the new one could give me a uh, free uh, security things and then someone said oh the archive feed because the you know uh, wordpress it's really different wordpress is great if you only ever want to show people about 100 posts in an rss mm-hmm. feed but we were up to what episode 400 and uh, something 420 where are we up to now i actually Oops. just have it yeah, here that's a so little where, bit where more are we up to now 432 which means it just doesn't work and so i made an archive feed of the first 300 episodes of a static file right that if you want to do that and that broke and then someone else says oh it's broken now in apple Podcasts, and then that oh, broke no. so if anyone's having a tr- trouble listening to any of these files uh it probably the best thing to do is just to go to the website and there's a, a main feed link and uh, you can just you know just look at the sort of like main feed and if you want to have a feed uh, to easily download um, past episodes beyond uh, you know uh, earlier than 300 like 1 to 300 mm-hmm. episodes 1 to 300 I'm actually going to have to update that I'm going to have to make it a 1 to 400 because again we're, we're coming up now in a few episodes time in 20 episodes time there'll be a gap in the middle so there's going to the archive feed is going to have to be expanded all the way up to uh, one to f- episodes 400 and then, oh, right. and then the normal feed it's can an have endless it. Circle. It's very tricky but the best <laughs> way to find, see all the books in order with all the ratings, with all the links to all the mp3 files is to check out the episodes list page on sfbrp.com. So if you click there go to sfbrp.com click on episode lists and there's the whole list. Every episode with all the ratings, with all the books, every single time that I've reviewed it and stuff like that. So and if you know you've had what any, mean- any trouble with any RSS feeds, either just resubscribe again with the RSS feed from the website um, or yeah, I think it's mostly working now but I'm very sorry to anybody who messed it up and it was all to try and make it work in more places and of course it messed it up in many more places but I think it's mostly working now. If you do have any problems, please email me. Luke at juggler.net is the best way to get in touch with me. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I just wanted to say I really what? like this episode list because yeah. it lets you sort for all the things. Yes. Like all the columns. Yeah. And uh, oh, I come across that so often that you have a table and then you can sort by two things, but not the other things. Yeah. All right. So I first reviewed this book in episode 49. Uh, that was all the way back in 2009. So like early on, like the second year of the podcast, episode 49, I gave this book four stars. And I talked about it for 48 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, so that that's, was one thing. That's cool. 
quite uh, long for it, that time. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty long episode for the first few years. The second episode I did about this was actually just a few episodes later, but it wasn't about this book. It was about Fall of Hyperion, Hyperion mm. Kendos number two, which I gave 0.5 stars <laughs> and talked about for 30 minutes and said it was so disappointing. Let's put that aside. Just put that aside a bit again. Uh, the next time I talked about this book was in episode 168 in 2012, September 2012. Yeah, September... Uh, 28, so almost exactly eight years ago there. Yes. And and that was the very first episode that Juliana appeared on on the podcast. You were a guest episode because you had listened to the audiobook uh, as well. Yes. And uh, and I'd listened to the... The first time I read it, the second time I listened to the audiobook and you listened to the audiobook as well. And so you came on the podcast to talk to me about it and we just listened to the first 10 <laughs> seconds of that podcast and I did the normal introduction yes. and then I said, very special, interesting thing having today. Joining me today is my girlfriend, Juliana. And I said, say hello, Juliana. And you said, Oh, I said, I said, I told you to say hello, and you said, yeah. and I realized, oh, we still do this thing, yes. and I realized that's what that's what happens with culture, that's what happens with creative endeavors, that's what happens with everything. You you solve a problem once, and then from and then, then you on, you just like, and you, you just know stick what? with it. What? I'm not every time. I'm never really happy with it because what? it feels like. And, and here, this in this episode again, yeah. you said say hello, Juliana, and every yeah. time I think, am I supposed to say? Hello, hello Juliana. Juliana no because that joke Aww. is really bad but the point is when I'm saying say hello I'm like I'm throwing over to you and I yeah. always do it straight away joining me today yeah. is Juliana say hello Juliana and you say hello and then we just carry on with the the episode yes um uh, yeah and so that's a that's a that's it just a, happened it's just a funny thing like the first time I did it I was like oh say hello to everyone and you were like hello everyone and then yeah we still do we still do the same kind of thing so ages um, later ages later so uh this this uh, podcast is already starting off a bit of a meta podcast where we're talking about the podcast and talking about how we're podcasting here as well let me go over to uh we're gonna get to hyperion again i've got two point. i've got two episodes about it but again we've not talked about it i was gonna say we've not talked about it for eight years we've been talking about it pretty pretty a lot recently like quite a lot recently because it, we did the these uh, other uh, other books other that, books yeah. we're referencing it yeah, anyway yeah. so let's go over to luke's review of hyperion here it says here i uh, uh on on goodreads I shelved it in 2009, marked it as uh, reviewed on. And then again in September 2012, I uh, was sort of like, um, second time through this book, this time by audiobook. Uh, so anyway, in 2016, someone commented on, on this, uh, on this uh, uh, review. Yeah, so you posted something in 2013. <laughs> No, in 12, 2012. 2012. Yeah. And then 2016, somebody Somebody commented. Oh, and commented now in 2020, it. yeah, there's a four-year <laughs> gap. This is a very, very slow correspondence between me and Marcel, who yeah. messaged, who made, posted this. And it says new. It means I've never looked at this. Uh, maybe I yeah. got it on an email or something. But yeah, I've never uh, done this one. He's saying like, oh, this is great. You know, it's comparing it to Ian M. Banks, who died in, you know, around about that time as well. Yeah. And saying that Ian M. Banks is a slick writer and a good writer, but he's, he's not a fantastic writer or his stories aren't fantastic and there's there's things to be said about this whereas Hyperion is is like the top level of uh, science fiction top level top level of you know space opera and galaxy spanning civilizations mm -hmm. and war and all that other kind of stuff um, and he says also Hyperion is simply great entertainment characters are well drawn as, uh, as is the world building I'm very tempted to read the sequels but everyone tells me not to so I've stayed <laughs> off yeah you um, kind of want good sequels 
coming yeah. from this really good story. Yeah, let's get into the sequels later. Let's mm. talk about this. Um, again, I'm not expecting anyone to go back and listening listen to my previous reviews about this. I'm going to kind of talk about this a, a bit more in a bit more detail mm-hmm. and say why I think this book is uh, really great. is an amazing book, but also, and this is the question that Marcel has. Also, a small note on the side, just a thought, not a criticism. You gave this four stars. Why not five? I find with my own reviews here in Goodreads, when reviewing, we always try to look for the good and the ugly, but it's always easy to find something that is not perfect. And so often we rank something lower than I feel it deserves. I think my argument is literally every artwork could be improved somehow. So ratings given in isolation uh, sh- uh, against an absolute ideal may turn out lower than deserved, rather than that we should apply uh, a Gaussian curve across all science fiction and rank them relatively. Then this would surely end up with a five star. I'm less interested to sp- persuade you to give this five than your thoughts regarding ratings of books. Um, now, of course, Marcel asked me this in 2016, and mm-hmm. I've talked about it before. And I think this is what I have to make clear about this. I think if I was rating books on overall quality, mm-hmm. like how much is wrong with this book, and how much is right with this book, and how advanced is this book in terms of plotting and character and world building and, and thematic explorations yeah. and writing and all these other kind of things. I do think Hyperion is one of the books which would be like a five-star book. Mm-hmm. However, and I've mentioned this many times on the podcast, I rate a book by my own subjective enjoyment of the reading experience of that book at the time that I read it. Right. And I have to kind of put a bounds on this, sort of like, of course, I can come in with expectations, but I'm reading the book with those expectations. Yes. So it's impossible for me to review a book with which which is based on zero expectations, sort of like, oh, I'm reading it in isolation. No, you can't read a book in isolation. If you read a book by, say, Heinlein, you come in with all your Heinlein baggage, which could be great. You could have like massive nostalgia for Heinlein, or you could have just heard that he's pervy and he, you know, he's writes creepy relationships and all this other kind of issues, you know. There's lots of issues that Heinlein can bring positive or negative based on your own history with him um it's the same with like a book which everyone says oh this is one of the greatest science fiction books of all time hyperion everyone agrees it's sort of like at one of the peak moments in science fiction the publication of this book yeah and you come into it with those expectations you can't not come into it with those expectations yes and also the follow-up books where everyone says oh everyone says don't bother don't continue reading hyperion after the first book I don't think I had those expectations going into the second book. I was just like, oh, just give me more of this. I mean, it was like I read it before Goodreads existed or whatever. You know, I don't remember yeah. what the reviews were at the time. I'm, um, I'm now just thinking in my head, you, you said you, you come with all the baggage and all the kind of like your expectations. I think I was just thinking, when would be a point when you would be so innocent that there is literally no baggage. But that, that point doesn't exist because as soon, like you are living your life, you, that makes you having yeah. expectations. Yeah, that's why and I say it has to be subjective. There is no yes. un, There is no objective reading experience. No, because you are reading it with all your life experience, all yeah. your perceptions of life. I mean, there and is an objective if, reading experience. So if you read like a mathematical proof with nothing there and it's just like the symbols and stuff and you go through and go, oh, great, objectively, this is good or whatever but even, and elegant. But even then, I think, uh, if you have, I mean, of course, if you read something like that and you have no mathematical pre-knowledge, yeah. maybe then. But everything that you consumed before, even the yeah. smallest thing makes you put it in relation to what yeah. you have perceived before. And so if, if, let's say, a book is your first ever book 
Yeah. Maybe then. Okay, do you remember the first novel that you ever read? As a child. Yeah, like when was the first book that you read which didn't have any pictures in and was sort of like not a children's book, but was actually a chunky book? Do you remember like the first novel that you read? No. No, I don't either. And that's the point. Like you don't, you're not going <laughs> I, I to. I remember, I remember, I mean, I, I started reading I early on. My mum is a uh, literally a bookseller. Yeah. And Yeah, uh, she owned so a bookshop, didn't she? Or worked in a bookshop. She worked in a bookshop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so she made sure I had early on books without pictures. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, there's a transition between somebody's reading your book and then, and then you're you start reading it. to read it yourself. Yeah. I remember reading lots of uh, vampire stories. And uh, computer, uh, this is the really interesting thing. As a child, I was reading lots of this fiction that played within computers or oh, computers yeah. were like playing a big role in it. Yeah. And so I was early on really interested in, 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 in this technical stuff. Yeah. I never went and looked at how does a computer actually work. I was just reading the fiction with the technology. Yeah. Inside. inside it yeah um so these were the kind of the first books that i remember and yeah. then i remember this massive book that's still in my old yeah my room. point wasn't what is your first book i'm telling you you don't remember your first really. book like you you are out your the, your early reading experience is out of your control of and course. all of your opinions from the second from the second novel oh even from the first novel that you're reading you're being formed by like what children's books were read to you and all this other kind of stuff and what yeah, comes into you, it you are being yeah you, you are being infected uh, in, straight in, away yeah. yeah like it depends definitely on the third person giving you the books yeah or whatever. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, there is, and that's what he says, like, if you try and, uh, what does he say here? Um, uh, my argument is that literally every, oh, no, what does it say? So ratings giving in isolation against an absolute ideal. And that's the thing. I don't rate books against an absolute ideal. Now, what, I, what kind of book would that yes, be? Yes, and that's the thing. There isn't an absolute. What is the platonic so, platonic <laughs> uh, ideal of a science fiction book? I mean, some people would be able to pull them out and say, oh, no, this is this is one of this them. This is but the recipe. This is the recipe. Mm -hmm. This is like everything needs to be compared against this. And um, I don't think there are any other. But when I give a book five stars, it's because it's hitting, it's, uh, it's a Luke-shaped. At that moment. It's, making, it's a Luke-shaped uh, book for a Luke-shaped hole, if you know what I mean. Yes, but only, at the, I mean, that could at also. At that time, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that because that could also change and that's why i said and we've noticed that before like when i was like oh let's read the book deepness in the sky and that's again that's the one that i just did this year after yeah. reading the uh, children of uh, children of, of time. Uh, time and children of ruin yeah and uh, and you're going oh this is great but let's go back and read the original source and you read it and go oh well that was like a lot a way more racist and sexist and like <laughs> creepy than i expected a lot of the human stuff wasn't interesting the spiders were kind of a minor point in this other political boring you know like yeah. and you didn't finish it and it was <laughs> yeah. For me, a struggle to get through. And you're like, oh, right. Again, what I was, you know, the book that I read when I was 19 or whenever that book came out, I don't remember when it was, like in the 90s. So this book is one that I can pretty much track through. Like I read this first when I was uh, like uh, 28 years old. Okay. I read it a second time when I was uh, uh, 32 years old. Right. And now I've read it again when I'm 40 years old. Yes. So at least we're seeing a little bit of a like a longitudinal study uh, of, <laughs> of Luke reading the same book three yeah. times. I, I, I might have done this before. I know there's quite a few books that I've reviewed twice. Yes. Um, I think maybe Dune is the book that I've maybe read and reviewed three times, but it's only because the last time, you know, you read it and then yeah. we talked about, I know, the movie and the board games or whatever else we watched there as well. Yeah. And people are saying, hey, you should 
read it again or you should review Dune when it comes out. You know Dune, the new movie? Delayed one year. It's oh, not. Great. They're not releasing no, it this year. They're no, going, oh, they're let's releasing wait until next lots year. of movies just next year. Or yeah, something. they're just putting yeah. about James Bond as well was meant to come yeah, out yeah. in November and they're like, ah, nah. next year. Yeah. So I think next year, if the cinema's open again and people are going to be coming back, there's going to be this big bumper crop of movies which yeah. have been hanging out for a few years. Yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah, uh, uh, Hyperion. So here we go. Um, the reason why I give this book four stars is because objectively, this, if this was reviewed in isolation as uh, a, a type, as a piece as of its own, of its own, you know, like the platonic ideal of science fiction, space opera, world-spanning characters and world-building and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's give it five stars. Whatever, because it's there's uh, there's little to be improved. However, for me, the things that it doesn't hit with me and the reason why I gave this book four stars in 2009 and four stars in 2012 and now in 2020 I'm going to give it four stars again okay. because there's all of that stuff which makes it a five-star book an objectively in isolation rated five-star book is there however the things which you could say oh I'd mark this down about it and mark that down about it if I was being objective about it and go alright if I was doing this on a scale with on some kind of normal distribution or whatever you need to do to get into that top 1% on the normal distribution yeah. you'd say oh, this would be a 4.9 rated book Okay. and there is a book like that that I've actually given 4.9 which would be a 5 star book but I, I rate 4.9 and what, that is, what's the what's the zero one percent then? No, let me. The book that this is is 1984 by George Orwell. Yes, it gets marked down from a five star book to a four point nine star book because at one point the main character in the book sits down and reads another book, and we just read that other <laughs> book with him for a while, uh, and then he puts that book down, and then we stop reading that book and we go back to the the normal book. Yeah. And I'm like, no, this entire book is an exploration of politics and words and language and all this other kind of stuff. <laughs> you can't then put aside an amazing exploration of politics and language and all this other certain dystopian stuff and then go into like a, a fictional book within the book read that book for a while and then pop out of that and be like oh that's fine and it's almost a five-star book but in this case it knocks down my subjective enjoyment of the book away from five stars because of that one because that one th and i'm sure there's lots of other stuff wrong like objectively wrong with 1984 yeah in this book the things which would just knock a five star off it's not just one it's like 10 of those things right. if you know what I mean yes. it's 10 things well maybe 10 let's say 5 things each one of them knocks off a 0.2 of a star which brings me down to 4 stars mm -hmm. again individually if you are okay with all of those kind of things you just be like no I love this book and there's that's kind of what I'm doing like if I enter every book and I'm like how much am I enjoying this book it's very rarely put it this way Anything that is in the book is a positive. Mm -hmm. And then some things in the book are a negative. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. uh, unless the pacing is really, really slow and it never actually gives me enough. Most books have enough in them, like enough story or enough character or enough world building, which if that was the only thing in the book and everything else was completed perfectly, I'd be like, oh, I really enjoyed that book. But lots of them are just too long. And I'm like, oh, the too longness made me knock a star off it. Right. Or some of them, uh, like some weird stuff you know or like plot holes or something like yeah. that i'm not like if i'm enjoying a book a plot hole can knock off a 0.1 of a star yeah but if other things all co coalesce together and the books which come in at 0.5 stars or zero stars or 0 0.1 <laughs> stars it's that like any like they're lacking anything to boost the score up yeah but then they're just full they're of just things, full that, of things knock that, the, that knock the score down and the score by the way is my own subjective enjoyment of the book yes like, I, um 
how much is that if you have a reading experience and it you're just reading it through and nothing really bump you you I always have the feeling like you know, I'm going over a road yeah mm -hmm. I'm having a smooth ride yeah and then there's some like a tiny hump I just yeah. go over it and it's a I'm I'm still on a smooth ride yeah right and and then Yeah, it's that kind of bumping you out the story, you know. Yeah, like, and then oh, you suddenly that, you start thinking about it yeah, while reading it. You're and jarring. That, these yeah. are then the points um, that 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 you don't want. Yeah, you don't want to start thinking while reading a book. Suddenly, you start thinking about something. Yes, in the, why? The, what's going on? You, what is, you, what you is this? You start doing here? the meta analysis yes. of your own reading experience. Th yeah, I, yeah. I never want that. So. The way that I just want to do this is that there's a book which referenced this book very, very heavily that we read earlier on. Yes. And it's The Salvation by Peter F. Hamilton. Right. And as I started reading that, I was like, oh, people on a diverse <laughs> group of people who have got past connections and they get together and they're on their way to see an alien artifact. And every step along the way, like each part of the framing story, they travel a little bit closer to their destination. And one of them tells a story mm -hmm. and then they discuss the fallout from that story. And then they move a little bit closer. And on another mode of transport, <laughs> they get together and they hear somebody else's story. And there's six stories that are set up. And at the end, they reach the alien artifact. And yeah. You know, as I was going through this, I was like, oh, this is very much like very much like Hyperion. And as soon as that was there, again, people who've listened to the recent Salvation episodes where we talk about this, and I rated that book five stars. Now, this is a book which is using Hyperion very much as a framework and very much as an inspiration and is playing in the world of Hyperion, yeah. which again, that's very difficult. I mean, it shows the status of Hyperion as a novel that somebody else can just go, oh, I'm just going to do my version of Hyperion. In that case, I rated that book five stars. And it's if I'm saying it's the same kind of story, what is it about Salvation by Peter F. Hamilton? That, that gives it, the one star. No. That, that adds. No. No. No, you, I just explained. It's not. He didn't do anything that adds the fifth star. What didn't he do that knocked off the one <laughs> star? That's that's my point. Like if right. we're talking about how I'm rating yeah, yeah, a book. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm working on a meta level now of how I rate a book. Yeah. What are the things that were in Hyperion that gave, like, for me, gave it a five star, a four star rating? Yeah. What were those, like, four or five things that knocked it down a star, which Peter F. Hamilton avoided and therefore allowed me to have a five star enjoyment reading experience? Okay. Yeah. What was it? Okay, let's get into it. First of all, the frame, the frame story in both of them is fine. No problem at all about the frame story. People getting together. What I, what I think in one of the issues or one of the this is a very small issue you know like i say there's five ten things a very small issue that i have with hyperion is that a lot of the world a lot of the people in their world that mm -hmm. that they live in a lot of these people are very very important people mm -hmm. like galaxy spanning world spanning important people yeah and all of them when they meet each other seem to be completely ignorant of each other's stories now some of that's uh, important uh, some of that is um obvious because their stories are secret like they've never told this story that right. this is the first time that they're telling the story yes but some of them seem to be a little bit too um a little bit too important 
um, for them to, for everybody else, all of the seven other, all of the six other people that they're with to have never heard of them before. And I think there's a little bit of a mix up. Right. Oh, I see. So you you are taking important people, putting them on on a ship, and they have never heard. They've never heard of each other, and they don't know each other's stories. And some things like come as a surprise them, like, oh, you're this thing. It's sort of like, yeah, we've just he mentioned in his story that his story was making world headlines around. They'd be like, <laughs> oh, you're the person who did that, and that's what that baby that you're carrying with you. Oh, you're the person who brokered this deal and that kind of stuff. Mm. It feels like some of these people would have like a bit oblivious. Yeah, they feel a bit oblivious, which is not a problem because again, it makes it interesting. They all come together. They don't know each other. They don't. I mean, some of them again, some of them are known. Like this one general is known for this kind of you know this kind of setup. Yeah, and other events are like oh, and this was the Siri war, or like the Siri uprising, and something something. Like there, the other people's stories are mentioned and referenced within each other stories. But what I liked about um, Salvation is when the characters get together. Oh, I'm talking Siri. about Siri. Siri. Literally, it just had the whole everything that I said since the Siri uprising. It, it had um, annotated there on my watch, um, transcribed on my watch. Yes, I've got to be careful now. Uh, sorry if I set anyone's uh, phones off as I'm talking about this book because one of the main characters is called, or one of the featured characters is called Siri. Um, No, my watch didn't say anything. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what I liked about Salvation is that when the characters come together, they're like, oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> you know, they have history like, together. Yeah, they, they have history together. Um, and that's another thing which I, I think Hyper- what I really what I really appreciate, and this is the thing of like appreciating something on an intellectual writing level and storytelling level, what I really appreciate about um, Hyperion is that the... The uh, six different stories that are told feel very disconnected from each other, but somehow in the same world they exist. And it's very, very difficult to have one story which is just gothic ho- horror, another story which starts out as sort of like a you know noir detective find the killer and ends up just with action sequences. Another one which is a very um, you know use of weapons like oh I'm a general fighting these wars and weird yeah. stuff is happening. Yeah. Another one is sort of like oh I'm telling this romp that goes off here and there. Another one is this very heart felt story you know there's different styles of story there yeah and they feel very disconnected stylistically but happen to be taking place in the same world and each one of them like reveals more about the world in a from a completely different point of view appreciate 100 appreciation i have always the feeling when i mean maybe not only you but when somebody said i appreciated yeah it's kind of like a nice way of saying <laughs> of saying yeah but I didn't fully enjoy it. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's very good, but for me, I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. But it does feel like I'm reading a short story collection with with a frame story in between. Yeah. And what Peter F. Hamilton did in Salvation was each one of those stories really led on from one from the next, partly because they were told in chronological order, I think mostly in chronological order, or in an order which made sense to reveal more and more about this plot. So even though they're individual stories, some of them novella-length individual stories. And again, he's taking different storytelling styles, more from a science fictional point Mm -hmm. of view, like, oh, we're going to go and visit a big dumb object. And he tells the whole, oh, we're going into this spinning thing, which is sort of like, oh, right, you're just doing the, um, uh, was it David Brin, the Eon books, where they go up and they, and the rendezvous with Rama, He's like, I'm going to do my rendezvous with Rama for this section of the book. And yeah. other times he's like, oh, I'm going to do yeah. this story. I'm going to do that story. Yeah. But yeah. I think the, the 
you said before in Hyperion, you have these individual stories that are disconnected from each other. Yeah. And the only thing that connects them is the world that they're happening in. Mm. And I think Peter and Hamilton... The, and the reason why they're going on the Shrike pilgrimage. You yes. Know, so, yeah. But what he does, Peter Hamilton in yeah. Salvation, yeah. is that he also... Advances the main story. Yeah, yeah. He also interconnects the... The characters, yeah. so that we we want to know, and we want like we got one person's story, yes, and then we Gavin, really, and then Gavin meets Yuri, and then we get Yuri's story, and, then and then he really moves with yeah, yeah, yes, and then we really want to know. I mean, we know the tension. Yeah, we we get into this, we know that it's yeah. tension, and then we really, really want to know what happened. I know, and this is the thing. What I really appreciate about Hyperion is he's working the form. He's doing individual stories with frame story yeah. he is it's a that is the this is one of the highest levels of working in that form whereas yeah. what um what uh, peter hamilton is doing he's like i'm referencing that form but actually what i'm doing is telling a more cohesive story and i find that as a novel more satisfying and bumps me out of it less yeah i'm just you know what I mean. currently trying to think in my head because um what's his name Marcel yeah. um, said about artwork. Now I'm trying to come come up with a with a painting where that happened, where you had. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a little bit like you had a master making um, painting a painting. Yeah. And then the students takes the same technique, yeah. the same and does it slightly fix, better. Yeah. Does it slightly better because he already. Uh, ha he didn't start from zero. He already started from where the master had his thing. Let me bring in some architecture here. Okay. okay. Just, yeah. just as a small thing. Now, yeah. if you ever look at a building which doesn't taper in at the top, you know, like most buildings, they kind of get narrower, they get narrower at the top, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Just believe me about this. They get narrower at the top. Now, if you don't, if a building doesn't get narrower at the top and it's just monolithic, when you look at it, it looks like the top is too wide. Okay, when they, when you actually just look at it, because of the point of rev the, the reference, reference as you're point. looking up, you're like, ah, that looks like it's actually too wide at the top. Yeah. And this was discovered by the Greeks in their columns. They didn't have completely straight columns. When yes. you actually look at the columns, they actually taper they, in slightly yes. at the top. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying here. If you're going for the platonic ideal of a shape, you're like, oh no, exactly a shape. rectangular cube and yeah. you're like that's great whereas actually what you want to do is you want to just taper in the top of the building a bit so it makes it it feels more natural like yeah. in the same way that the greeks when you go to the um when you go to the acropolis or something you mm -hmm. look at the columns all of them taper in slightly at the top and it makes it more pleasing and it makes it more satisfying yeah but it's and you think oh that's what columns are meant to look like it's like no somebody actually made a decision not to stick with the mathematical ideal of this, what could be done with this, but to change it slightly to make it a little bit more appealing and a little bit more accessible. And I think, again, we're just taking this from a, from a very technical point of view, that's what Peter F. Hamilton did there. He's like, all right, I am referencing Hyperion. I know exactly what Hyperion does. And so Hyperion is generally considered the great, like the, the you know, the five star, you know, objectively great measure of this. But subjectively, yeah. I'm just going to make this into a more satisfying overall novel rather than an overall literary ex uh, experiment within science fiction yeah, uh, storytelling. Yeah, I, I really like this, this uh, analogy that you had there with the column. We have a thing that is very square it could be very square it could be very square but to make it pleasing for the humans just we take, are not robots just, yeah just rough up just skim off the edges a little bit around the edges yeah. just take a little bit off of it and yeah. make it a little bit more appealing and i i think if like a, a 
an artificial intelligence would read Hyperion, it would say, "Yeah, this, this is it. Yeah, this, this is, is it." it. This but is... again, sometimes you want three. You you want six characters to come together at the start, and like five of them know each other, and two of them have got really bad blood. It just it immediately raises the stakes of like, oh right, again, I I I really want to hear Yuri's story yeah. because um, Gavin. No, it's not Gavin. Whatever the main character is called, yeah. I can't remember the, all the characters' names here. But uh, you know, whoever it is who comes in, and they're like, "Fuck Column. that guy." Column. Oh, Callum, that is it. Callum. Callum. He's um, the Scottish guy. Yeah. So Callum comes in and is like, fuck Yuri. And Yuri yeah. is like, oh, Callum again. Yeah. Oh, man. We have and, <laughs> and you're just like, is, you're just like give, me this, give me this bad blood. Give me why they hate each other. And you yeah. know what? What? Generally, we can't identify with very famous, great people. Yeah. But what we can identify, what we can, uh, we're, we we know how it feels like going into a room and say, oh, uh, this person. Yeah, and holding uh, a grudge. And in and these yes, cases, they've held that grudge exactly. for 150 years or whatever. So it is in a way more human. It is in a way more accessible. What was the what was the name of the uh, of Callum's love interest in that first story? That was Siri as well. She was Siri, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so there's a, there's another crossover. Yeah. Um, she was Siri, and the and yes. the final story of this, the uh, the love interest is also Siri too. Uh-huh. So sorry about setting everyone's phones off at the moment, or <laughs> for the forty percent of people who own an iPhone or whatever. It is. Um, yeah, but I think I think that that that's what what is coming down to. It is a slightly less uh, perfection slightly more makes it more accessible yeah. yes um so yeah that's one thing another thing which i uh love it like i really appreciate about uh what appreciate or love actually in this case it's both it's a plus and a minus the pacing the <laughs> yeah. pacing of hyperion yeah. stays very like the adventure that's going on in the background and the stakes that are, like you're thinking about oh like there's a big war going on up there and you hear you find out more about the war and you find out more about that kind of stuff yeah when you actually suddenly get into the book they're like all right everyone settle down a bit everyone settle down let me tell you my backstory yes. and they, and and each story begins with like oh calm down wait a bit i'm going to go back and i'm going to start saying and each one of those short stories takes i would say the same amount of time they do get a bit faster like they do get a bit more there's more stuff happens and the stakes are raised as you go through it yeah like at the start it's more like oh i'm doing this and it's like there's one person going an adventure and by the end you're like and then i started a revolution and the other one's like and then i caused a war and you're like all right okay so the stakes are getting bigger but each one of them takes a bit more like each one takes a while to get into yeah. What Peter Hamilton does is sort of like, it, like when you, as the books go on, the first story is sort of like, oh, this is quite a long story. This is like 200 pages of, a, of an 800 page book. just yeah. the first, And the next one is like 150 pages. And the next one is like, um, you know, 100. And then the next one is 70 pages. And the last one is sort of like 40 pages. And it's just sort of like going through. Yeah. So again, it's one of those things that are like, ah, oh, it would be better if each one of these stories was a, a the same length of time. You know, like, ah, oh, this one is, you know, in the audiobook, this one is uh, two and a half hours. Oh, this one's three hours. This one's three hours. Hours, this one's three hours this and there's like you know you get an equal yeah you get equal, equal share equal share from each yeah. story and you're like oh that's the perfect way of doing it peter of hamilton accelerated through them and when you start the final story where it's the console in that one or the person who's going on the you know who's the diplomat who's yeah. going off to meet the aliens in the rendezvous of rama kind of section yeah it's it's really short because you're like oh actually we already know all the characters we, yeah. we know the setup we know yeah. everything like that just get into it he tells his story about flying from earth up there going over to this one and exploring so the chambers brilliant. like I, the thing is at that moment we switched i switched from reading the book as, yeah, and as an e-book, went to yeah. went to listening with you in the car as an audiobook, yeah. yeah, and that 
that what happens in your brain is just amazing yeah and the way it accelerates towards it and then what happens is like <gasps> yeah yeah you get oh that. my god so again it's just one of those pacing things you know yeah. sort of like the ideal form where we, each one of these stories will take the same amount of time and be have the same amount of weight yeah was actually by the end of it you're like no i i've got to know this person because he's been the viewpoint character and we've seen his reactions yeah we got to, i got to know that person because they're doing the, you know this kind of stuff like in the whole setup at the start of the book which is and this is another thing the start of the book um where at the start no, of hyperion, hyperion of yeah. hyperion they say oh we got we got seven people here mm. we're off to meet the shrike on one of us is a traitor you know <laughs> yeah. so like that game that we were watching the yeah, other yeah. day the among us game where everyone's it's like playing you know werewolf or mafia sort of like yes. all right which one of us and you're all like discussing and and uh, the way that it's done in hyperion the payoff again i don't want to give it too much away i find not very convincing not very interesting and by the end of it you're like all mm -hmm. oh, right we were starting off with every, all of these like seven people from the from our civilization mm -hmm. the hegemony mm -hmm. or the hegemony or hegemony. I, 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 in the audiobook they there's a few different pronunciations so oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah hegemony the hegemony i would say hegemony but they were saying the homogeny no i don't know either way hegemony hegemony I can't remember. There's a German, different... you hegemony. Yeah, exactly. Because Germany are going to go with a harder G. Um, and so that whole point is sort of like at the start there, and they're at war, and there's some war with the ousters, and there's also the Shrike and that stuff, which is like a, the, the, what's the bad stuff that's going on, whatever, okay. like that. Yeah. And you're like, one of us is an outlaw. And what I really appreciate from this, with Hyperion, is by the end of it, you realize, oh, actually, all of these people are kind of enemies of their own civilization. They're all enemies so of the... So anybody of them could, could, could be the well, not any. They're not all enemies of it, but actually a lot of their purposes and a lot of their motivations are nothing to do with that and at 90 degrees to it. They're like orthogonal, um, uh, disconnected motivation so by the time i get to the end i'm sort of like oh i appreciate what you're going with this mm. but also it's totally unsatisfying because who is the traitor by the time you get there it could have been like well it could be it could have been three of these seven people and uh, and also it doesn't really matter for each one of their personal all of their personal stories yeah whereas again going back over to salvation mm. you go right and one of us he comes in and one of us is an alien and you're like, ooh, like this and you, and you rub your fingers together and, and you're like that. you're reading all the stories thinking like... Yeah. And by the end of it... What, who, what, what in this story could be... Could which, this be the alien? Yeah. And by the end of it, which one of them is the alien slash which one of them is the traitor which slash which one of them is the enemy is paid yeah. off in a way which pays off inside that, that story. Yeah. And when it is revealed, shit goes down. Yes. Like oh when my it's revealed God. which one of them is the <laughs> alien slash enemy slash traitor, whichever, whichever way around you want to look at it. Yeah. Again, I'm trying to avoid spoilers for two books at once here. Yeah. And it's really important. It's really interesting. And it, it, it's the culmination of the book. It sets it up at the start. Sort of yeah. like, here's the frame story. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing all these seven people. I'm sorry, I'm one of the seven people. And there's yeah. these six other people. Yeah. And one of us is an alien. And uh, or one of us, you know, one of us seven people or one of these people is the enemy or whatever you want to look yeah, at. It. Yeah. In in Salvation, I was like, ooh. And then I was like, oh, it's like Hyperion. And then I went back and read read through Hyperion again yeah. now, listened to the audio working in. Yeah. It starts off and I was like, no, oh, yeah, that doesn't really pay off and i got to the end and when it's revealed which one is the is the enemy yeah in hyperion it only matters to two people uh, it doesn't really affect the story but just like oh we're just gonna carry on anyway and you're like okay let's all just go on anyway okay and i'm thing is it's 2012 well 
have yeah, I know. I'm, I'm again. Like I'm talking to you as someone who's I, never read this book or doesn't yeah, remember anything yeah, about it. Yeah. So don't worry, don't respond to that. But I'm saying that sense of dissatisfaction about one of the major setups, one like, like the kind of mm-hmm. premises, the the um, what I'm trying to say, the Chekhov's gun on the wall mm-hmm. is sort of like, oh, Chekhov's gun. Like there's a, there's one of us is a traitor, mm-hmm. and you're like by the end of this by the end of this um, play, someone's gonna fire the gun on mm-hmm. the wall. And here, no, nah, it's sort of like, oh, one of us is a traitor, and by the end of it, you're like, nah, well, I guess yeah. Sure, like the way you've told the story, like um, mm, don't really don't really care about the he- hegemony, hegemony, don't really care about that. Didn't really care who was the traitor by the time we got there. Yeah. Again, and all of the individual stories along the way. Yeah. I'm like, oh, is this person the traitor? No. Is this person the traitor? No. Like you know, and you yeah. get through to the end story, and you're like, oh right. Did okay. you figure it out? Like when you when you read the book for the first time, did you have of Hyperion? Yeah. I think I got to the end and, and again, it hadn't grabbed me. That kind of setup, which was yeah. sort of like, here's seven people, one of us, among us. Uh, yeah. it, one of us, uh, to go by the computer game, like <laughs> one of us is the werewolf, one of us is the mafia. Yeah. And you would think that that is going to be a main driving force yeah. behind the story. And it just isn't in Hyperion. Yeah. And I think what Peter F. Hamilton did so great in Salvation was every time someone started telling a story, you're yeah. like, oh, this person, you get to the end of the story, so I'm like, okay, it's not that person. And then they tell the next story and you get to the end of it, like, oh, no, no, that story. And then you're like, hmm, hmm. brain transplants. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, <laughs> then like, oh, actually, like the people tell it like, and it gets to that point where you're constantly second guessing of it. Yeah. It becomes a really great, uh, Salvation becomes kind of a really good, like Agatha Christie seven people in a room on a train on a boat or whatever and each one of them could have a motive and by the end of it and then again when it's revealed shit goes down so it's one of those things that salvation took from hyperion the like the concept did it and we also talked about in the in the podcast about uh, about salvation where he didn't just do that also if you know the story if you also know hyperion and it's fresh in your brain or you remember the story well enough because you read it twice beforehand yeah that is still paid off so um so yeah that's uh, that's something else i think this is what you just mentioned is really is a really really good good point the even if you have not read hyperion mm-hmm. you haven't come across it yeah i'm quite sure you have come across this concept yeah of the like of the game of we yeah. are a certain amount of people yeah we now need to find out among us yeah. who is uh, the the who person. Is the and there's enemy so many. Among us. Yeah, you yeah. could get it from Agatha Christie. You could get it from even just playing as and a child. And it's dangerous because some of them are going to die along the way. Yes. And that's that's what happens in Hyperion. There's seven people set off on the Shrike pilgrimage. You only have six stories. Yeah. And then as I looked at the, the chapter listings of, of uh, Salvation, yeah. I was like, oh, there's only six stories here. And I was like, oh, great. And I was like, oh, yeah, uh, this is great. But yeah. even knowing that, Peter F. Hamilton kind of twists that around. So like I'm saying, there's lots of these different twists along the mm. way. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of thing where, again, in um, in if you're playing Mafia slash Werewolf or something like that, if there is someone who is still the enemy at the end and you get three people left, you're like, oh, well, we know it's one of these three people. In this way, the people are ticked off because the t- stories that they've told yeah. in in Mafia Werewolf, it's because there's literally only three people left in the game. Among Us, again, the computer game version of this, yeah. there's only three 
people left in. And the, and the psychology behind that is so great. We just yeah. recently watched this one stream where there were three people yeah, left. Yeah, yeah. And one of these people, we saw that person going in one direction. Yeah, we knew, we knew and, the story. And the, the, but the, the characters the, in the story the didn't know it. The crime happened yeah. in the other. So yeah. it was clear objectively... Yeah, and it was he crazy wasn't. in that same one. There was actually two Mafia... There was 10 people playing and two of them were the Mafia. Again, this, this is the computer game version where uh, the two of them were the um, intruders or whatever it yes. was. Uh, the, the facelifters and something. And one of them just said, ah, oh, yeah, you can vote for me. I'll just take it for the team. And you're like... oh, And it's just a crazy moment because only later do you realise, oh, he was a Mafia. And he was like, I'll take one for the team, knowing that the other guy was good enough at lying to his friends to yeah. be able to pull off the win. And he did pull off the win. And yeah. Just so I'm like, whoa, like that yeah, is, that is exactly. one of those crazy. There, there's this whole psychology. Yeah, it you have psychology. to be convincing. You have to be putting the the doubt yeah. onto other people. Yeah. And yeah. and you have to be as charismatic that everybody thinks, are, ah, this, per- this, yeah. this is not the person. I know. And I'm just saying, Peter Hamilton, if you're going to say at the start of a, fra- of a of a six story frame story, say, mm. and one of us is the traitor, you, I have to have that. I want to have that feeling throughout the book. Yeah. To care which one's the traitor and care which one is the dangerous one, care which one is the enemy. Yeah. And in and in having... Salvation, I did in Hyperion. It's a it's a minor part yes, of the exactly. story. Yes, exactly. And I think I think what what needs to happen is that you, if if you if you concentrate on the six stories. Yeah. That's fine. But if you introduce another element to this, yeah. this does need to become crisp and yeah. tickly and like we want to know. And then when something happens, it actually, there needs yeah. to be an effect. Yeah. Like, it's just like we have a, a, a big firework display. Yeah. And on the side we have, I don't know, a, a, a rocket launch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> I see what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and the, the fireworks go off one after yeah. the other. And yeah. from the rocket launch, we it's expect once, an amazing yeah. thing. And yeah. then it just goes, goes poof. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cool. Right. So let's lap up my last two things. Yeah. All of these different things that I'm talking about uh, would be minor road bumps for Hyperion, each one of them knocking off like yeah. half a star yeah. in my uh, subjective rating of enjoyment. Yeah. I think the main thing which knocks the which knocks Hyperion, which could have been not from a five star book down to a four star book, but this, these last two points, which is for, get knocking it down from a, a, a four point six star book down to a four star book, yeah. is these is these two points. Okay, and it's the ending. Yeah. Everything I've talked about so far <laughs> isn't really the ending. Yes. No, actually, let's say it's not the ending. It's the combination. Okay, let's take these in two points. These two points. So yeah. first one is the ending yeah. in that this book doesn't resolve the journey of the pilgrimage at the end. No. At the end, they all link their arms and they all go off to see the Shrike. And I'm like, great, then, give me yeah, the next okay, book. What happens, and then I what turn happens? to the next book and it just it just isn't that. It just doesn't, con- it's not good. It's and just not good so, enough to continue on and so say sad. these six characters slash seven characters yeah. that we're really invested in. We really care about the outcome of their story. We really care what's going to happen when they reach the thing. Yeah. And again, appreciate, yes, 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 yes. Give me a cliffhanger and don't give me that payoff. So all of the mystery remains. I think maybe like, if it would be a, actually a standalone book. Yeah. Again, it would it, be amazing because you get yeah. to the end and go, oh, it remains a mystery. We yeah. never do find out who the Shrike is. Yes. We never do find out who, what the, it is, who how, what this it does, person is. Yeah. What, yeah. Where it came from. It's it's traveling. It's like this anti-entropic field. It's been, it's been sent from the future back in time to this moment kind of but it carries on anyway like yeah. and the whole thing where someone said oh yeah she went to see the shrike um uh 
shrine before yeah. and they have a big tree and there's dead bodies stuck on the tree and because they're traveling the opposite way through the time some of those people stuck to that tree are people in this pilgrimage right now and someone uh, says tell course. me tell me which of us is stuck to the tree impaled on this tree and he says i'm not going to tell you which of the which of you or which of us in this group is impaled in this tree now i love the mystery i love that there is mystery left at the end but yeah. I, as i read that first book i knew it was the first book in a series yeah and what killed me is that I started the second book and it, and it's not that I wanted to immediately pay that off but I wanted to see some kind of conclusion I wanted that mystery to be paid off and like oh it's mysterious in this way oh and it's surprising in this yeah. way and it's like that and what Peter Hamilton did in, did in Salvation is at the end it is revealed who the traitor is they do reach the artifact that they're going there yeah. they recognize what's happened yeah and they are like oh shit, this is huge. And yeah. it would have been possible, it would have been possible at that moment to go, let's leave what's going to happen to the next book. But instead what they do is they have a little epilogue which just says, oh yeah, uh, aliens invading Earth. That's what's going to happen. That's that's what's, that's the payoff of this book. <laughs> yep. Aliens are now invading Earth and uh, come back in book two to see how that works out. And I yeah. was like, yes, like it gives, it pays it off. Like every, yeah. all of the questions, well, actually not all of the questions and many, many of the questions that have been raised in each one of these individual stories are paid off in the other stories, like are paid off within their own stories, is paid off in the revelation, is paid off in the shit that goes down after the revelation they actually have a really clever way of like this get out of free jail card sort of like it's taking us a really long time to get here sort of like oh well we just need to move on with the story They're like all right let's just skip back over here yeah. like it's very cleverly done in yeah. the book and that pays off into those stories and each individual character their story is paid off by the revelation at the end and then sort of all coming together like so like i say when they get together at the start they're like fuck this guy and at the end <laughs> of that first story they're like oh actually we got to work together like yeah. to sort this out yeah and so i'm just saying like the like the, the the salvation, even though it's the first book in a series, it pays off the it pays off it pays the, off enough the Hyperion slash Canterbury Tales kind of f uh, structure yeah. within itself. What happens at the end pays off six short stories. Mm. And Hyperion, what Hyperion does at the end, it comes in and it leaves the mystery of each one of those short stories. Like yeah. everybody starts telling a story, like the first one, the priest tale, he comes back and sort of like, yes, I'm carrying this thing with me and I'm going back to the Shrike to will this shri will the Shrike take this thing from me? Sort of like, oh, I'm carrying this baby and this baby's story is, is bound up with the Shrike. So when I bring this baby out back to the Shrike, what will happen to this baby? Like mm. these other people are like, oh, I'm carrying this thing with me. Like everyone is going with something mm. to give to the Shrike. And at the end, none of their stories are resolved. Hmm. Appreciation level, very high for this, except there's a second book where I was expecting those answers and it didn't come. Mm. So enjoyment-wise is knocked down a, a, a big chunk. Yeah. In these kind of situations, I'm always so um, pulled apart because I know from what you're telling me that I'm never going to get what I want. Yeah. But no, no, because... the reading experience is no, what no, you no. want. Oh, no. okay. What do you mean? Like story-wise? Yes. Yeah. I will never get the the salvation. Yeah. <laughs> the the resolution that yeah. the, the, like I want the answers. I want to know. No, 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 the no. Things... Here's the thing. Sometimes I don't want the yes, answers. But the thing is, you there, there is a like a a promise 
the promise is the second book and you and yes okay that is true yeah. everybody always thinks that everybody like i i'm i'm everybody in this situation i have yeah. not read the second book no don't. and Yes, exactly. Yeah. But because it is there, it is like... It's tantalizing. It's, it feels like answers should be there. Yes. Yeah. But here's the thing. I like, and here's the thing, I like when mystery is remains. Like, I like not yeah. knowing all the answers. Because sometimes... But then, like, and here's the thing. Let's take it back to Star Wars. Let me just say here. Like, yeah. you go, oh, Han Solo, he won the, he won the Millennium Falcon uh, <laughs> after a bet, after a card game or something like that. Yeah. And it did... And he's saying, oh, and it made the, you know, the castle run in 12 parsecs and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, this is actually kind of nice flavour. And then you yeah. actually watch the Solo movie. And the Solo movie is a perfectly fine science fiction comedy romp, whatever. Yeah. Like, it's per it's a okay movie. Yeah. But it diminishes the mystery of those that original trilogy <laughs> yeah. because you're actually like, oh, and he, he won it in a card game. And then the card game is sort of like this post credit sequence where he just wins it in a card game, just like, oh, he just had a better hand than the other guy. And yeah. you're like, oh, that's a bit. And then the Kessel Run, you're like, oh, that was the Kessel Run. Like, I thought it was meant to be this like legendary yes. boast, which is probably bullshit. You know, it's one of those things that, like, did it really make the Kessel Run or did that's, he. It's a story that's it's the whole one. Point I always imagine the Kessel yeah. Run would be, oh, we, it, we're famous. We made the Kessel Run in 12. Parsecs, and I always think it's sort of like, yeah, but you didn't really make the castle run in twelve yeah, parsecs because it's a because, story. Because it's a story. Yeah. Actually, what happened? You accidentally got chucked through a a, a, a black hole, got transported there yeah. instantaneously, <laughs> and then we're like, hmm, what's a like? We're here in like one parsec. Again, I know what parsecs are. Don't don't get me at this. But sort of like, we got here in this amount of time. And uh, and what like everybody else is it's taken them eighteen parsecs or the best the record is fourteen <laughs> parsecs and nobody can ever do that so sort of like but we're here in like zero point one parsecs accidentally huh. what are we going to do now between parsec one and parsec twelve mm -hmm. and then we'll cross the finish line at uh, twelve parsecs and say wow that was really quick we made it really yeah. you know that's the kind of mystery that I wanted and, in, yeah. and what they gave me was sort of like ah what I had in my brain of what the Kessel Run was in, in twelve cooler. parsecs it's sort of like way cooler. Yes. And so I appreciate like the mystery of the Shrike. And because I never finished that extra book and yeah. I don't know what happened to each one of these characters and I'm fine with that. Yeah. It's it's all good. Oh, I don't remember. Maybe it is some of it is mentioned, but I literally don't remember what yeah. happened to any of those characters. I'm all good with because I actually like the mystery of what these characters are going to find when they get to the Shrike. I'm totally fine with that. Yes, but I'm only I would only be fine with it. If it would be a standalone novel, if mm. it would be intentional that there is the mystery and the mystery literally yeah. goes on and everybody re in every reader's mind goes different. Thing. But yeah, there is the, th this makes this really, really smelly for me. Yeah, because smelly, there, like there fishy. Is, <laughs> what do you mean? Yes. I don't know. In, I don't in, know. My, in my head, smelly is like a it gives us like a, yeah, a, a bad, weird a bad, taste. Bad, bad, bad vibe, because yeah. I did not follow your uh your uh reading experience advice oh, in, you didn't in other my... places oh you didn't and then i continued because of the oh I, I see i'm gonna see if maybe i am getting something else that luke is getting yeah from a second book in a, in and a I series say, and when i say don't, and bo say, don't, don't bother, bother with that and, book, then, yeah. and then i went into it and then i read exactly the same kind of thing that you had and i yeah. thought oh yeah some i should have I should have not. Some of it is objective it. and some of it is subjective. Exactly. Okay, so let me, because we've been talking quite a long time, I really do want to wrap up this last point. 
Oh of, yeah, that of, was one more point. Yeah, the one more point which yeah. knocks it down from a, this is this last point is knocking it's it the down. the important one. Is this is knocking down from like a four point three to a four? Okay. okay Each okay. one of these things I've knocked off like Knock one it. or two one yeah. or two bits of my subjective rating from a five star down to a four star, and that is this book cares a lot about a previous piece of literature and previous uh, a writer who I I don't have any connection with and don't care about at all, and that is the poet Keats. Like ah, Keats comes up time and John, time again, yeah. John Keats, and they're sort of like yeah. Keats is a like a revived Keats is a major novel. The city yes, is called I, Keats. There's yeah, yeah, poet remember, city. Yeah, I remember that now. All of these people yeah. are talking about Keats, and they, they start doing they say Keats poetry and stuff like that. Yes. Then, at the very end of the book, and this is okay. Put it this way. Let's split this into two as well. Keats, I don't care about at all. And what we are meant to be caring about in this book is kind of maybe a bit Canterbury Tales, but sure, that's just the frame story, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then Keats keeps coming back into it and Keats seems someone who's very important Mm -hmm. to how this world works and and how the storytelling works and who these people are. Like the actual, the Keats that lives in our world is important to that world. Yes, is a historic figure in our world and is important through in that other world. Mm. And that's fine, but I don't have any connection to Keats. Hmm. If it was Shakespeare, I'd be like, well, that's a bit on the nose. Or like if it was some other poet, like I was going to say a more famous poet, but I just don't think poets are that famous in the modern world that you could actually have one. So it feels not, I wouldn't say self-indulgent or indulgent, but in fact, I think I'd prefer a more self-indulgent way of writing it Mm. that he, um, that... uh, he he already does it. Dan Simmons already does this with the poet character in the poet's tale, who's a poet who yeah. is who who is writing a Hyperion Cantos of his own who and stuff like that. A fictional poet. Who is a fictional poet. So he does already do this a bit, but I kind of wished that all the references and literary references and the city was named after and this poet comes out. I kind of wish that was like a like a, a like a, a historical invention, like yeah, of its own, of its own right. It could have been fiction. Yes. And I would have been like, oh, who is this other poet which was like, like hanging out with Shelley and Byron? And, and, and you look at them and go, oh, that person didn't exist. You know, I kind yeah. of wish that it was more of a literary invention yeah. in, in some ways like everything else was. And it feels to be leaning. It's always that time when someone will put write a book and they'll be like, mm, and I'll put in these references here mm-hmm. for the, when the people get it, they'll really enjoy it and stuff because mm. they'll realize I'm talking about, you know, Henry V or whatever, you know, whatever <laughs> the work that you want to talk about. There's all like, oh, this yes. the structure of yes. this is exactly the same yes. as this. And, I, I remember... When I read well, this book, yeah. I went to uh, research Keats because yeah. for me, yeah. that didn't even... It, you had it no wasn't connection there, even yeah. a name that I knew. Yeah. I mean, maybe a name that I knew, but there is, of course, a big a big following, a, a, a yeah. big group of people who, who like and, and are really yeah. into Keats. I just didn't get it. I read yeah. I read his poetry and I thought like, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not about the poetry. I'm just saying that I don't care about that. Now, let's let's... Let's compare that with Salvation by Peter F. Hamilton. What is the artwork and the author and the thing that he is referencing in his book and playing on like, oh, and if you know this and you'll get all these references, you know what the artwork he's doing that with in his book? Like who is the author and the and the, and the piece of writing that he's playing around with and, and referencing so much in his book? Uh, well, isn't that uh, like Ender's Game? Ender's Game is what comes to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
he's doing science fiction. He's doing Hyperion. Like he's referencing Hyperion oh. in this book, and I like okay. Hyperion when he's doing young space cadets in zero gravity training sequences. They're like, oh, he's doing. Uh, he's now referencing Ender's Game. Yep. And when he does his Rendezvous with Rama section, he's doing Rendezvous with Rama. And when he's doing these other sections, he's he's playing around in the world of science fiction. Which with I, science fiction. Which I actually mm. do care about. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like When yeah. he introduces an alien and talks about these aliens that are there, I'm like, oh, right. And he's also talking about his own work with all the portals. Like, yeah. the thing that he is indulgently referencing... That it's if other you, fictional work. It's other fictional, and I didn't pick up on this until the second book. But the spaceships that he's that his characters fly yeah. around in is the Reynolds and the Asher, and it's all yes. like, oh, he's talking about his other fellow <laughs> British science fiction space opera people, like yeah. who, who also write this. So, like, yeah, one of the main ships is called the Reynolds, and it's not mentioned in the book. It's sort of like, oh, in the future. Alistair Reynolds is going to be the most uh, admired the, the, person. Most, no, it isn't. Yeah. It's like one ship happens to be called the Reynolds yeah. and it's not even mentioned in universe that it's named after Alistair Reynolds and, yeah. and Neil Asher. But you kind of get the feeling that, oh, right, the people who are naming these spaceships in the future, they're looking back and going, mm, we need a um, science fiction author from the uh, 21st century. And they look back through the list and they're like, Simmons, Hamilton, Reynolds. Is, is there a ship called Reynolds? No, like that. Mm-hmm. In the same way that, um, you know, like uh, ships in the in the United States are named after presidents or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. You've got the uh, the Eisenhower class thing and the, yeah. you know, whatever it's going to be. You know, these yeah. different ships are, are different classes. Yeah. You know, it's the same in Germany. You get the, I don't know, Nimitz and the uh, the Hindenburgs and all these other kind of things yeah. where I'm not sure actually. Oh, no, Nimitz is American as well. Anyway, I've never matter. heard Nimitz before. I think it's American. <laughs> whatever it is, you know, but you get these you get these ships named after um, uh, named after Places. Things named after politicians. Yeah, like or we lived, after... Like I lived on Gneisenaustrasse and I looked up Gneisenaustrasse and it's sort of like, oh yeah, he was just a general or a duke or something back in the day. Yeah. And they're naming streets after places, people and they're like, oh, Gneisenaustrasse. And you're like, all oh, right. And you would never think, oh, who is Gneisenau? And you look back through in Wikipedia and go, all oh, right, he's a person who was buried in a, in a cemetery <laughs> around the corner. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And so when you're talking about spaceships and space battles, you look back through and you're going, which, which side? And I'm just saying, it's only a very small thing. Yeah. But the world in the literature that Peter F. Hamilton is referencing is stuff that I care about. And what Dan Simmons is doing is talking about a poet from 200 years ago that I just don't care about. And I have no connection to at all. And also I find it really, really difficult to think that in a fictional world like Hyperion, it's so fictional. I mean, the the, the world has nothing to do with uh, that is going to be our Earth in uh, 500 years, is it? No, no, it is. It is. It is. It is our our future. It it is our work. Yeah, Yeah, it is our work. And for some reason, suddenly, like these people decided, oh, Keats is... Well, no, it is a mad king who is really into poetry, who is sort of like, I'm going to do this. And then obviously this character is is central to this main... um, Keats himself, this character and stuff, is like is tied up with the Shrike, tied up with Poet City, tied up with the with. It is there is something there in it, but that he's picking out a single character called Keats yeah. makes me think like it's fine, it's yeah. okay, yeah. but I don't care about it enough. And so much weight is on a character and a historical figure and an author and a poet and a work which I I don't care enough about. Yeah, like that's it. Like the name of the book, Hyperion. Like one of his 
great epic poems is called Hyperion, yeah. and that's what this that's what the planet is named after. So I understand that this is the one planet that happened to be named after this poet, named by someone who went there who was a crazy king who was yeah. into poet like who was called the poet king and poet city. You know, yeah. so I understand that there has to be some somebody at the basis of all of this who hmm. didn't care about who that was. Yeah. My final criticism of Hyperion, which knocks it down from a four point three to whatever it wasn't, wasn't that already that yeah I can't remember no this was the, the previous the, ones were the the, the the kids kids was the last point yeah kids the last point the one that knocks it down from a four point one to a four star is the final section of the book where they all link arms together yeah. sing we're off to see the wizard the wonderful wizard of Oz and go and see the Shrike and I think him referencing. Him referencing the Wizard of Oz and going to see the wonderful Wizard of Oz and the Yellow Brick Road and Toto, you know, one oh. of them's looking for his heart and one of them's looking for his brain mm. and one of them's looking for... I can't remember what the other stories are, mm. you know. So, and you go, ah, right. Ah, that's too obvious. Mm. Like, why did you actually have the characters literally singing We're Off to See the Wizard, the Wonderful Wizard of Oz and making me think, oh, yeah, this person's looking mm. for his heart and this person's mm. looking for their soul and this person's looking for a gift and this person's looking to be able to get home. You know, I'm just like, ah, oh, don't do that. And I don't believe that those six characters at that point would, would link arms and sing, sing we're off to see the yeah. wizard the wonderful wizard of oz as they go and see face like almost certain death at the hands of a, of a you know of a nightmare hell beast you yeah. know that isn't what those characters would do and it is the most disappointing possible and like if you actually finish this and then you you if you get to the point of this book and you hear that the the one of the characters is humming a tune and somebody says what's that tune you're humming close the book stop listening literally stop listening there is nothing in those last five paragraphs which add anything to the book and they literally take away uh, they they take take away 10% of my enjoyment of this book that la those last few things because it's the last thing that i read yes it's the the epilogue it's the last bit of the book Yeah. And it leaves me with such a sour taste in my mouth, sort of like, ah, you pushed it one pop culture reference too far, literary reference too far. Yeah. And it's not literary reference that I don't care about, like Keats or something, and don't know about, don't yeah. know enough about, yeah, and it yeah, just yeah. passes me by. It's being punched into my face yes. that six characters who are, up until this point have been very serious and taking this all very serious. I don't believe they all link arms and sing a song referencing a movie that only one of the people has ever met, has seen, and knows anything about and the other person knows the song because he heard it sung in his childhood you mm. know four of the other characters have no connection to the wizard of oz or that song or linking arms or doing any mo like reenacting any scene from the wizard of oz and it's so annoying and so disappointing and such a misstep that i would suggest if you hear one of the characters humming a song in the epilogue stop like and they mention stop reading then that's it Could you leave out the epilogue altogether? No, because they are going to meet the Shrike. So you understand that they all get together and they they decide to go and meet the Shrike at the end. I mean, that's what the pilgrimage is is coming up to. But you keep reading, going, oh, what's going to happen when they get to the Shrike? No, nothing happens. They don't. That's not in this book. Yeah. And you go, why would they do this? How are they like the image that you're left with? Is this whole book the the my final image of this whole book is polluted by? Yeah. 
seeing Dorothy and the yeah. Tin Man and the and the uh, Scarecrow and the what is it the the Lion and Toto the Dog or whatever yeah. it is sort of like you know it's it's polluted and it's yeah. dim- the whole image of what it's like to go and face almost certain death at the hands of a nightmare Shrike beast who's going backwards through time and is causing an invasion and a war and genocide and all this other kind of stuff it's diminished by putting in 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 my head a Technicolor musical. Yeah. You know? No, I totally I totally get it. I totally get it. It's um I never want authors to do this kind of stuff <laughs> because it's like you are in the book. Yeah. Your head is in the story and you are like it's it feels like you are in the air a uh, 100 meters up in the air yeah. and then somebody is just like really violently like pulling, pulling you, you down. down. Yeah. It's like they're, ju- they're jarring you out of it. But and here's the thing. I think this this ending of this book is the thing that wouldn't, even if I was going to give this objectively, like writing in isolation as a work of literature, you know, all that kind of stuff, which is, should be a five-star book, this one thing would knock half a star off of that. I think the ending of this, the mystery that's left in place, fine. fine. I can do mystery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that it doesn't yeah. resolve, also fine. Like each one of these six stories that the ending of their story isn't properly resolved, also all fine. Yeah. The clumsiness of putting in place The Wizard of Oz a wizard, wizard of Oz into my head at the end yeah. is such a strong image which is clunks off the page yeah. and doesn't work with those characters so much I actually think that would be a thing which would knock anybody's objective rating in isolation on a scale it should knock it down should knock it off five stars yeah. and for me it's such a disappointing yeah, end to I the think, story I think it's also because um, if you have a st- if you are telling an art artwork yeah if if I'm getting an artwork, I then don't want at the end to suddenly get a Jackson Pollock. Yeah, don't don't just scribble over all over it at the end. Yeah, yeah. because then yeah. all I have in my head, even if it was an amazing piece of art that I was looking at for hours. Yeah, you've just got spray paint, uh, no, not spray, dribbled paint or whatever it is. All yeah. over, yeah. and this is all I then can yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, yeah, don't just don't, squiggle don't, at the end. <laughs> Don't yeah. just suddenly just throw paint buckets over yeah, it. Yeah, over it, yeah. And that's what it feels like. And I remember now my reading experience of the previous time that I read it, which was my first reread. Mm. I got to the end and I was like, oh, no, this... Oh, yeah, I remember how this ends. And it comes up and I'm just dreading the moment where the <laughs> console starts humming. We're off to see... Oh, whichever character it is. I can't remember which... One of the characters starts humming a tune and I'm like, oh, no, this bit. And then just the end of the book, I'm just like, oh, fuck. And here I got to the end and I was like... It can't be as bad as I remember. It can't be literally one person starts humming and the other person says, what's that tune you're humming? And another person says, oh, it's from a movie called, you know, The Wizard of Oz, which is from the 20th century. Another person goes, oh, tell me about that. Oh, it's about this kind of thing. Great. And then they all randomly know that they have to link hand, link arms and do like it. It so doesn't work. And I was yeah. like, it can't be as bad as I remember. And then I was listening to it the other night. Uh, yeah. two ni- oh, was it yesterday morning? I can't remember when I was coming, when I was getting to the end of it and I'd fallen asleep just before the end and I was like oh let me go back and listen to the last section again so I did and I listened to the last section of the final story and then we went into the epilogue and it got to that moment I was like it can't be as bad as I remember it is as bad as I remember and you know what I had no recollection of that yeah don't you don't need it because again if it's so bad you're just like "Mm, that was a bit weird and you just move on with it yeah but then the second time you're going oh this bit yeah that that kind of ruins it and then going into this like it's like the third time knowing that so what I'm going to do is I'm going to write uh, make a note in my diary for maybe another 10 years I'm going to say read Hyperion again 
and until episode, you and we're gonna get... like in episode 900 or whatever we're up to by then <laughs> episode 900 of the science fiction book review podcast i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about hyperion again and uh and, and i'm gonna read it again yeah, you may read it again and we'll we'll also talk about the latest amazing novel which is for you know 2030 which is like taking that same format and like run with it in a different way and taking it a bit and it also all my enjoyment relies not on just knowing hyperion but also of having read salvation and knowing the twist that he put in place and go all right knowing hyperion and also yeah. knowing salvation by peter hamilton what's the author who read Where? those books how can you get from yeah there? who grew up reading one and then was yeah. influenced by the other like yeah. what how are they going to play in this space mm-hmm. and create something even better and then i go back and read these other books and go oh you know hyperion still holds up salvation is shit it's like why do they ever enjoy that why do they give that five no, stars? you know that's not gonna happen no it can happen like i say again like you wouldn't lit- say Hyperion is holding up and Salvation wouldn't be holding no, up. No, because sometimes the original is something that can stand the test of time and the other one doesn't. Again, just go back Maybe. and read Deepness yeah. in the Sky after I'm like, oh, you know, this book, this, you know, this uh, Children of Time and Children of Ruin, that's amazing. But let's go back and read the original because I thought that book was better than A Fire in the Deep and it was like one of the best books I read in the 90s and it really made a huge, maybe 2000, I don't know, 20 years ago, this was a book which I thought was the pinnacle of what science fiction could be. And I go back and read it and go, oh, wow, that was really long and boring and racist and sexist yeah. and like yeah all those different yeah. kind of things it just, yeah. the, the story is misbalanced and I just only remember the good stuff and all the terrible stuff and you didn't even finish you know it is possible that I can go back and read a five star book from 20 years ago and be like eh, nah just doesn't actually doesn't work I was just caught up in the moment of reading and listening to whoever was doing the audiobook narration so that's For, it yeah Oh, an hour and ten minutes. I honestly thought I had about forty-five minutes of stuff to talk about we this. Always book. have. We the, always do. We always do. Yeah. So, and I even said before, am I even going to bother doing another podcast about Hyperion because I've done two previous episodes yes. about it? Yeah, you even said, oh, I might not have enough to talk about it. We might, might not even talk about it. Let's go over quickly. Let's he- head over to um, uh, Goodreads.com and see what other people rate this book. I rated it four stars. The uh, the average rating is four point two three stars. My friends is a four point two. Yeah, so a good 4.2 rating, I guess. This is where it puts itself. Yeah, and a lot of these people read it like 10 years ago. Here's a review from 2009 by B. Unknown rated it four stars. Uh, Terp Kristen rated it four stars. Um, Somebody who rated it three stars. Kevin, Kevin Zoo rated it two stars i love the other three books in this series just fine but i cannot stand books with the format of separate stories set in the same universe that never connects with each other well i think these books do very well connect with each other um yeah so uh tom rated it five stars holy shit this book had everything and everything about it was perfect and i do think that this book does have everything about it and everything up until the characters getting linking arms and singing we have to see the wizard <laughs> i think everything up in the in this book could be seen as perfect Again, I don't rate books by perfection because if if I was rating by perfection, this would be a four point nine star book. The 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 the, the lumpy ending mm-hmm. uh, would only knock it down zero point five stars. We have a square no, column. No, zero point one stars. We have a square column with just a a, a little. A little, a, a little nick in it. Nick in but it. in the end, it turns out I don't want a, a completely square column. I want some Ionian columns which curve in at the top. Or whatever. I don't actually know the uh, architectural term. But whatever. the you got Corinthian columns and uh, Ionian columns and yeah. um, Roman columns. Uh, yeah. Ionian columns. Do you know a, how to spell that? Ionian. Yeah, I know how to spell Ionian. It was can I type sideways. Um uh, so, oh no, Ionian columns are the ones which do not t- tip go in at the top, and the Dorian columns are the Dorians. Are the, oh, here we go. The no Doric, 
uh, ionic and Corinthian columns. Oh, the yeah. Corinthian columns are the, 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 the long ones and the Ionian columns curve in a little bit at the top. So, yes, whichever one of these columns you think is the best which has the best shape, best planetary ideal. Sometimes I want the edges shaved off a bit, and sometimes I want the references to say what I want. I want the stories to resolve. I want them to be linked together. I want pre-existing history between the characters, yeah. and I want a payoff at the end which sets up the second book in the series in a way which makes me want to read it rather than forces me to read it because you just didn't finish off the story. Yeah. So there you go. That's it. Sometimes the, the perfect beauty is not the perfect symmetry. Yes. You need you need some uh, some shape to it rather than Character. a perfect. Again, you can say, "Oh, this is a perfect perfect shape. Look, it's a square. It's a square. It's a square. It's perfect. Like everything is equal." And yeah. you go, "How about the golden ratio?" And you're like, mm, "It's not equal. One of the legs, you know." <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. say, "Oh, actually, sometimes the golden ratio or the ionic columns uh, they're the, the 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 better, the more pleasing Makes shape, it more admirable." Right. That's it. Thanks a lot for listening. Oh, you can follow us on uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. I'm Luke Burridge on Twitter and Instagram. Juliana is J-U-K-U Berlin, right. which is for Juliana Kunzendorf Berlin. Um, and I did a really great tweet yesterday. Uh, yeah, Juliana has is, is, is got 20 likes on a tweet or whatever it was. So It takes me two years to get come up with a good tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Juliana sometimes tweets stuff and we both share bits of our life. Also, I'm not juggling Luke on uh, Instagram too. You get, the best thing to do is actually become our friends or follow us on Goodreads so I can also see your reviews, comment on our reviews. There's links to it on, on every uh, blog post to the, the Goodreads review that I do. Or the other thing to do is go over to um, the Goodreads group called SFBRP Listener Group and you can chat with other people there, give book recommendations to me there. Other people can comment on them episode feedback there's a good thread called episode the feedback and there's another uh, thread now called um i have this book in my head but can't remember the title or the author so help <laughs> Is it me helpful? yeah help me remember a book which I, i always thought was called um last of the dogmen and it was about people who rode horses about people going into people go into a cryogenic um chamber and then come out 600 years later and all of north america has gone back to kind of like people riding horses and stuff and they come out with like 20th century um technology and yeah. are put into this thing and I, in my head it's called last of the dogmen i can never find this book so if you know that one another one is a first contact book where people go out in two spaceships past the Saturn and there's an alien that isn't intelligent which looks a bit like a blanket and one of the scenes <laughs> is that one person who's the doctor goes across between the two spaceships going out there and he floats in zero gravity and in isolation between the two spaceships checks on someone and then flies back what are these two books two books which I read when I was like 14 an years alien old alien looking like a blanket one of the aliens where they're like is this the intelligent alien who built the ship it's all like no it isn't it must be a pet because it's like blank it's blank it's like blanket they call them blankets anyway Those two books. What are those two books? One book which I keep thinking is called Last of the Dogmen, but isn't. It's about so people going into cryogenic chamber, coming out, and they're on horses, and that people ride horses, and yeah. And the other one, which is the first contact book, uh, where someone flies between two, uh, a doctor goes between two spaceships and back again to check someone on another spaceship, and then they arrive at the spaceship and they can't find the intelligent alien who found who who got the book, who who, who built the ship. Um, but uh, there are some other aliens which must be pets or laboratory animals, and one of them looks like a blanket. Which what are those two books? So go over to the SFPRP listener group on Goodreads and help me out. Uh, tell me what those are. Or email me. Luke My at mind is baffled. Yeah, you have never read these books. I read these books when I was 15 years old. 13, an 14, 15 years old. An alien in the blanket? No, an alien that looks, looks like, like a, a blanket. And act like, looks like a blanket, but it can't open doors, so it's not intelligent. You know, it's that kind of... No, uh, a blanket yeah. 
is a, well, as a blanket. I'm a blanket. Trying... It's like an animated blanket. It's it, it's like it's like the the um, oh, flying like carpet. Magic... <laughs> yeah, ma- magic carpet from Aladdin. You know, whatever it looks like. Okay, so if you have that in mind, and it's about first contact, where Hell people go, Luke. people go over to meet a ship which has entered the space, <laughs> entered the solar system. Two ships go over there. We the main character is the Doctor. Just help me out. This book has been in my head for twenty five years. Did you try Google for it? Yes, it's impossible to first contact book with alien. Nobody alien writes about books. No, nobody writes about books that way. Everyone has a different experience and a different thing that they remember from the book. Nobody's. If I type in Last of the Dogmen, it's just not. It just doesn't exist. The book doesn't exist. But that's in my head. The 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 story calls Last of the Dogmen, and you type it in, and there's a movie called that. It's not the movie like Last of the, which was playing off Last of the Mohicans or whatever it is. It's not that. Anyway, help me out, please. Books, <laughs> books that exist in my brain, which I've forgotten the author and the title of. Alien blankets, no. Right, that's it from us. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>